You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I feel like we got to change the um, the instrumental, like coming into this podcast to Sunday Morning by Maroon Five. Oh, that would I'm make down sense. for that. You're right? I'm down like, for that. A little okay. bit of soft piano, and we'll be good with that. We got to run that by Pete, though. We do have to run that by Pete. We got to run it by our PR team to see if it's okay. Uh, well, I'm Jack McMullen. That's Arm Layton, and we got another Sunday edition of the Just Baseball Show. Yeah, you know. I was thinking about the way we use that same violin song on TikTok, and and that's that's a Pete decision. It works, but I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But I'm I'm down for a little vibe change here for for the Sundays, and uh, we got some sticky topics today. Oh, and some other things to talk about as well. But uh, yeah, that is a Pete decision with the violin on every TikTok, and I, you know it's it's a good choice for now. I think it's got to change soon. We can't we can't be one of those like one instrumental TikTok pages. I don't. I think. just can't believe we talk about TikTok so much. I me neither. I, we, I thought I thought baseball followers. right. I thought baseball was a Twitter media, but I also I thought know. the kids don't like baseball, but. TikTok dominated by 16 to 25 year olds. There's 40,000 people in there that care about us talking about this stuff. So maybe, maybe the young people do like baseball. The kids like baseball and the kids might be weaning off of baseball right now with what's going on. I think it's funny because last week we kind of sort of beat Sports Illustrated to the punch. Uh, and SI had a fantastic article uh, earlier this week. It was Stephanie Epstein. And uh, one more person who I'm forgetting their name, um, but they kind of combined for this watershed article um, about the the sticky substances uh, with pitchers, and there were some really interesting quotes in there. Yes, there was some anonymity in there from um, you know executives and managers and relievers, but you also had hitters come out, and you know Charlie Blackman had some very interesting quotes in there. Adam Duvall had some very interesting quotes in there. You know, I, it's funny because last week when we had this conversation, um, I was still about 55, 45 on the side of hitters just need to get a lot better. Hitters need to figure it out. Now I did six days worth of reading and I am now, you know, 30, 70 and the 70% being, 
uh, we got to change something now. So I didn't do it, but, but Sports Illustrated got the job done. I think so. I don't know. Do you work for SI? I don't, but you know, I was hoping I could convert you, but I'll take it how I can get it. One thing I'll say is I feel like Adam Duvall is the wrong guy to ask about this stuff. He's going to swing and miss no matter what. Right. <laughs> you can put any no substance on the ball. Yeah, I'm covering the Marlins, obviously, like for the Locked on Marlins podcast. And that guy, I've never seen somebody that can get so hot for a week and then so cold for a week. So, yes, the substances don't help. But Charlie Blackman was the quote that, that you know, really hit me hard where I was like, okay, you know, this guy has put up numbers, cores or not cores, who cares? This guy has put up numbers for his entire career. And, uh, you know, he didn't frame it as like, this is why I'm not doing as well now. It was just like, it has always been really hard and it's progressively gotten harder and harder. And this is why. And I just, the way he said it, you don't hear Charlie Blackman talk about anything. I don't even right. know what his voice sounds like. Right. So, you know, that, that was something for me. I was like, if Charlie Blackman's speaking up, I don't, even, I don't even know what his voice sounds like. So, and, yeah. And have you seen these rumors that Josh Donaldson has this list that he's ready to uh, kind of leak out of? Yeah. Pictures? You know, that's something where it's like, same deal with Charlie Blackman. You don't even know what Josh Donaldson's voice sounds like. He is a very reserved guy. And the fact that he is this adamant about this kind of shows you how big of a problem this is. And Charlie Blackman, if you haven't read the article yet, um, pretty much said that the human eye, the hitter's eye, has been trained to see a four-seam fastball and put a calculated guess into a swing as to where that four-seam fastball will end up. Same with the two-seam fastball, same with the sinker, same with the cutter, same with the curveball. Mm-hmm. And what he was saying now is with these substances, it is defying what should be humanly possible. So these hitters who have put thousands of hours into perfecting their craft of putting calculated guesses of swings on pitches now need to purposefully try and swing elsewhere. They have to try and miss the pitch because they know it's going to move in some ungodly manner. And that no, is it's so a, stupid. It's a great point, actually, because I, I forget what it, what it is exactly. But, you know, like those optical illusions where like the, the whatever like dot you're looking at, like your brain sees it somewhere else, but it actually isn't going there. But it's because your brain's predicting where it's going to go. I don't know if you know exactly what I'm talking about, but basically our brain has an incredible ability to recognize like patterns over the course of our lives. And sometimes our eyes can trick us and like predict where the thing's going to go. So I feel like that with the baseball is exactly what's happening. And the other really interesting thing about it to me is that, you know, you have this offense problem and pitchers are already really freaking good. So I kind of like the idea of we're almost going to get a little bit of like a a, a reset and kind of see, okay, who is really standing out again now? I know people were making a bunch about Garrett Cole's first start out there. The spin rates were down. Um, I'm sure he'll be fine. He's just going to adjust a little bit again. But uh, I'm really interested to see some of these pitchers, you know, what the difference is. uh, Now that we have these these limitations, I guess to say, which is just, really normalcy but yeah it's gonna be very interesting did you see the video by the way it was an old video but it was about four years old i had never seen it before but it was a ball 
was like bounced, fouled off, and it stuck to Yachty's chest protector. You've never seen that before? That I was, never saw it. It was a Cubs game, so I, I had seen that in real time pretty much. And I, I remember that. I was like, that's crazy. And the tweet resurfaced, the video resurfaced in a tweet that said, um, this should be patient zero of the sticky mm-hmm. ball issue. And I was like, oh my God, how did this not click for anybody in the time? Yeah, that like this ball is sticking to his chest. It was and, crazy. It was yeah. crazy. So Buster Only with ESPN came out with another article that kind of detailed what you can expect over the next 10 days to two weeks to be implemented. And just kind of going back to, you know, guys seeing a lower spin rate with their fastball, things like that. Small sample size, inconclusive until we get at least six or seven starts in, I think. So Garrett mm-hmm. Cole has now made one start since this article was released and he sucked, <laughs> to be honest. So we will see what happens there. Um, you know, there are other guys that have been thrown around that rumor mill. I mean, John Means is a guy who I want to attribute yesterday's start to injury. Um, but, you know, everything's going to be inconclusive. So as much as we want to jump on people for a bad start, it is purely coincidence until we get six or seven starts in, in my opinion. And then we can formulate uh, a very... Um, early opinion and once we get to mid to late august then we can actually kind of zero in on on who might have been the issue i I agree with that for sure you know i'm i'm always a believer of like not jumping on the small sample sizes but what will be interesting that i think is a fair uh thing to be able to come away with after maybe two starts is just if it's outside the typical range of spin rate you know difference yeah that could be something that's like okay you know, this is worth looking at, but you know, maybe he's just as effective, whatever pitcher with not as much of the elite spin, but I'm very interested to see how this looks. But another thing too, I know we're going to talk about the the big league enforcement, but what about the minors? You know, this is where it's like, are there, are they going to go through all of this in the minors as well? And are we going to have some like issues where some prospects are really abusing it and doing really well. And now it's misguiding teams. It's misgu- like, I don't even know how deep this can, this can go. In recent years, in recent decades, you have seen a lot of minor league hitters get in trouble for PED usage. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it has happened after they got to the show. And this is one of my more controversial opinions, I guess. If you're going to do it to get you there, I totally understand the risk that you're taking. I absolutely do. And honestly, like whatever can get you to the bigs, do it. Because I've seen guys firsthand that are trying to fund their wife and kids on a minor league salary. And I promise you it's impossible. Oh, So if you have this miracle potion to get you to the league and make $550,000 and hit arbitration... I'm okay taking a 50 game suspension if it gets me that $3 million one year deal. Right. Like I agree. It, it helps. It's crazy to say, but I, I, the the one, the ones that blow my mind is like Robinson Cano, you know, like that, like, you know, screw you. Right. Like like, you're making hundreds of millions. You can't accept the fact that you're aging. Sorry. But when it comes to, to those guys, yeah. Like would I personally do it? I don't know. I can't put myself in those shoes, but if I'm, if I need to support my family, and I feel like I don't know much about steroids or PEDs or whatever, but I don't think they have like the 
negative effect that they had in in the 90s no hell no you know i'm saying like uh, some of the stuff that's banned isn't even that bad like isn't creatine banned yeah or at least yeah so it's like you know things like that like adderall i take adderall right you know so it's like you know i I just don't understand some some of the things it seems like it's really extreme so yeah i totally get it i mean when we talk about and that's an entirely another topic that i know you and i will dive into totally is like the minor league salaries and just the minor league way of life right now. Totally. Um, I have several friends living in terrible situations. Um, they're troopers about it. They don't really complain, but like, you know, I know people that have it worse, but I, I have one friend that's living on a farm, on a, on a freaking farm. Yeah. You know, like that's just, if he was supporting a family, he's our age, so he's fine. But like, if he was supporting a family and kids and whatever, it's like, oh yeah, come live on the farm. Yeah, dude, I'm taking whatever I got to take to get out of there. You know, so I, I do get it. But Going back to the major leagues and something that, you know, definitely stood out to both of us when we looked at this was the, the uh, pace of play. Yeah. Because the first thing I see is there's going to be random checks and I'm like, Oh, here we go. Random checks. You know, this is going to be a whole topic as well. And then yeah, it's just like the random drug tests. Then you also have checks that could be eight to 10 times per game. That is a lot of checks. And what do these checks entail? Is it going to be like a pat down, like TSA style? Like, how is this going to work? Um, and how long are the checks? And what's the, like, did you, what did you come away with from that? Right. And under what timeline are you doing the checks? Are you doing it? Buster only said, you know. Between with, innings? Right. Like with baseball, with their pace of play issue, it might be when a starter is coming out of the game. Then you check them in the dugout or something. Uh, I, I feel like we're going to run into these problems where umpires are going to approach the mound and they're going to discover a foreign substance and then you're going to have a manager ejected. It's going to be the same kind of time frame that you saw with Mike Schilt and Giovanni Gallegos with Joe West uh, in Chicago a couple of weeks ago, which is kind of what spurred this conversation forward and was the icing on the cake that ended up baking this story that was released. Um Yeah, there's going to be a lot of problems. And with a sport averaging, I think, just over three hours in terms of game time, that's only going to go up. It's not like these eight to 10 checks per game. That's so many checks per game. These eight to 10 checks per game are not going to speed up the process of baseball. It's only going to slow it down. And you might lose viewers. And I, I don't know how we move forward here. Do you have any idea like how we move forward with this? I think, I think you do a check every three innings and it's three checks in the game and call it there. But also when you have relievers coming in, that guy's only pitching for one inning. You're going to check him. He could slab that ball up and then he's out of there. You know? So that's, that's the tough thing. I I think you do it every three innings, see how it goes. Baseball players are clearly just kind of telling on each other at this point. So if it's still an issue, you go from there. But I think going to the extreme and then trying to scale it back is is never the move. And that seems to be the the MLB way. Um, you know, you remember the the play at the plate rules, how bad that was to try to get rid of collisions at home. And basically, if you were like in the baseline, it didn't even matter if the guy was just rounding third as a catcher. If you were in the baseline, he was safe. I was at that Marlins Reds game. I don't know if you remember that um, where they called, called him safe on that throw home from Stanton. And it was just like, where are we going with this? This could be really bad. And they fixed it, but it definitely affected a bunch of, a bunch of games. So I'm curious to see how they, how they manage it. 
But one other interesting point on it, going back to kind of a full circle to what you were saying about Blackman and the predictive eye and, and those things. Yeah. What I think is interesting, and I think people have been really hard on umpires, but the same goes for them, right? These guys are supposed to call balls and strikes on pitches that are now defying any balls and strikes they've seen for their entire life. Right. So I get frustrated with umpires. Everybody does. But if these hitters are going to get the same excuse, we got to cut the umpires some slack too. And that's another benefit that'll come from this too, is I think the umpiring will improve maybe incrementally, but it will improve because we are seeing umpiring as bad as ever right now when it comes to balls and strikes. And I really do believe that it has to do with pitches, just doing things that these umpires have never seen before. And there are some guys like Angel Hernandez that uh, are just bad, right? Yes, yes. He's They're, just blatantly bad. Right. There are, there are a couple of guys in the league that are just blatantly bad. But uh, if you don't follow MLB Umpire Auditor, <laughs> I think it's that account on Twitter. It's perfect because you see the percentage of calls that they got correct. You see the true zone and the established zone um, of an umpire. And usually these guys are operating at an elite level. And in hindsight, a guy that you label as dog shit during a game is, you know, operating at like 95%. And that's really good, especially with how these pitches are moving. You're right. But think about this. 98 with some run is hard enough to track already for umpires. Now think about 98 that's somehow rising. And with this grip, with this boiling Coca-Cola that they like make this concoction with, first of all... um, Actually, not first of all, because we're 15 minutes in. But um, one of our friends that's on this staff at Just Baseball, Colby Olson, said he literally almost started a grease fire trying to make this sticky stuff in his home. He wanted to see how it worked. And I think it's going to go on our TikTok. Like he he was playing with it and and he videoed it. But yeah, he, he went fully like into the lab. Yeah, I mean, like, that's what some of these guys do. And, you know, in 2020, these guys had a lot of dead time and they were perfecting their uh, perfecting their gunk is what yeah, SI referred to. Why it throw as. a bullpen when you can just be a scientist? Right. So, like, gravitationally speaking, it should be impossible for a pitcher to throw a pitch that rises. But the sticky stuff kind of defies gravity and it defies physics. So we might see the first rising fastball. Uh, at that point, it's just ggs it's over you know like you just can't hit it's not possible so i think there's a lot of a lot of pluses there and i think from umpiring to hitters being half decent again to everything i'm 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 very interested to see the impact that it has i think it'll be better for the game but the problem is the enforcement and that's something that i think we're gonna have to follow along with yeah so what other info i know we talked about the shift for about two minutes last episode let's you know spend our five on that right now um does that help like the problem obviously right now is hitters aren't putting the ball in play if they do if that's cracked down how much of a of a shift change how much of defensive alignment change do you need to see to make baseball like more exciting because i established i established last week um, and I haven't changed much even this week with a lot of reading um, that, that I think that the shift can remain perfectly intact as it is. And hitters need to figure that out. If, you know, this substance is kind of cracked down on with pitchers, I still am of that thinking where, okay, now the pitch should be a lot more hittable. Let's try and adjust. Let's try and go the other way. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Definitely. Because we talk about like these rising pitches and like this stuff like that. Like, could you imagine 
you're getting shifted poolside and, and these guys throwing a rising fastball up and away. And you got to try to like shoot it the other way. Like it's, it's impossible. impossible. Yeah. It's impossible. Or you're getting a back leg slider. You know, you're getting a back leg slider as a lefty and they're playing you poolside. Like, how are you going to, how are you going to shoot that the other way? Yeah. Uh, but the, the one thing that, that kind of did me in, <laughs> you're wearing a Padre shirt and this is, it didn't really matter. It was just one of those things that I was just like, what the hell is happening? Yeah. I watched a hit out to right field off the wall. And I'm like, okay, they might have a chance for him at second. And there's Manny Machado barehanding it from the warning track and right field and firing it in. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. And you know, obviously it's not a problem, but it was just like this moment of like, we have gotten this far with these shifts that Manny Machado just played a ball off the right field wall. Like I never thought I'd see the day I'm, I'm okay with it for now. I mean, the, my issue here is that, you know, batting average on balls in play is, is also progressively gone down, down and down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm willing to wait it out and see. I just think that it's, it's another one of those things in baseball that's just gotten so damn extreme. I've seen so many shifts now where, you know, the guy, I don't even know. It's not, it's not even always the second baseman, but whatever infielder is in shallow, right. And then you have a guy up the middle and yes, the left side of the infield is open, but when the guy's throwing 98 and setting up inside and you're like, okay, yeah, just shoot it the other way. The only way the hitter is going to hit that is if he's cheating for the fastball. And it's like, how do you cheat and go the other way? It, it just seems like the pitcher kind of controls the game there. It's really hard. And I just don't know how it's fair for hitters uh, in that point where I'm just tired of seeing guys square balls up and shoot it up the middle or whatever. And it's a double play. And I'm just like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. Let's leave them with this question. Is this the most confusing crossroads in baseball that the sport has ever hit? Uh, Yeah, because steroids were objectively bad. And I know some people say the steroid era was good for baseball. That that's fine. But objectively at that time, it was a bad thing, you know, because it's like, they're, they're not good for you, whatever. But like this, yeah, this is one of those things where it started as a normal, normal kind of little competitive edge. I think both did, uh, but the shift especially, and then it just gets so out of hand. And it's like, do you need to let baseball normalize itself? Or do you need to normalize baseball? Like, you know, do you need to step in and normalize it? And I think we're so far past the point of baseball normalizing itself now. Something needs to be done, but, you know, you can play devil's advocate for every single thing implemented. So once you crack down on substance use um, on the hand, not injection, but once you crack down on on pitchers' substance use um, to get tack and grip, then the pitchers will make the argument, oh, well, I I'm more likely to hit somebody in the head and cause a traumatic injury here. I, there is always going to be the other flip of the coin with everything that they do. And this is tough. Baseball's in a really tough situation, but the good news is this is as exciting as baseball's ever been too, because you've got three guys, 23 years, 23 years old or younger that are at the top of the home run charts. Like, a baseball is the most confusing thing ever right now. And we kind of love it. Yeah. I mean, I always say the game's in a great spot in terms of its talent. We have so many marketable young players that are going to be superstars for a long time. So baseball has yeah. got to be pumped about that. Just please market them properly. I think they are finally. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, we're going to market them properly when we launch in, what is it, 16 days? Yeah. 16 days? Yeah. We'll be marketing Fernando Tatis. We'll be marketing those boys. But yeah, it, it's, it's a good spot for baseball in terms of talent. So don't let these other things ruin it. <laughs> so hopefully we'll see if they can do that. Baseball does not have a great track record of handling yep. situations properly. So I'm not entirely optimistic. But Theo Epstein's in there now. Chicago, former Chicago guy, kind of. Uh, you know, he broke the curse. He broke two curses. Maybe he can break the curse on baseball right now. We'll see. Arm Layton, happy Sunday, my man. Happy Sunday, Jack. Pete and I will talk to you Tuesday.